Dreaming of a better sleep? Tossing and turning is not your destiny. And Ollie is here to help. Ollie invites you to sink into sweet, sweet slumber to improve your mental and physical health and overall wellness. More than just melatonin, Ollie's ingredients help you unwind your mind for a delightfully dreamy drift off. Sleep is on the way at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. A legendary royal photographer reflects on two decades of photographing the queen, Meghan and Harry's new venture. Fergie turns 62, and it'll be a party on Sunday for the Earthshot Prize Awards. Always so much to cover, this time on episode 41 of Podcast Royal. It is episode 41 of Podcast Royal. It is good to be with you. This is the second time I've seen you today and the third time I've seen you this week because we are hammering out some interviews. We've had two interviews back to back uh, very early in the morning because we are accommodating UK schedules. So I much prefer the evening recording sessions (laughs) to the morning, although we had a great time this morning. Yeah, it's hard to uh, to find the sweet spot on a time because it's either super early for us or super late for, you know, those in London. So um, it's, you know, it's fun trying to balance that. But this week has been a busy week already and we're recording and it's only Tuesday as we're recording and I feel like it's going by pretty quickly. Um, so I was trying to think about what I was into this weekend. This is really uh, kind of a nerdy, goofy, silly thing to be into. But um, I have this childhood memory from the 90s of being at my great-grandmother's house. And um, my grandmother was there and they were sitting around. And, you know, you have to remember back in the early 90s, we didn't have all the technology that we have today, even though it wasn't that long ago. Um, it was probably like a Sunday afternoon or something. I don't know. And um, my grandmother and great grandmother were doing a crossword puzzle. And I remember listening to them and trying to figure out the clues and put the words together. So randomly this week, I was in a store and found like just an old school crossword puzzle book. And I thought, <laughs> what the heck? And I bought it. And I have been, you know, like in the evenings, if I'm just sitting on the couch or doing something, I've been uh, doing these crossword puzzles. And I was thinking, we've got all of this, you know, technology now. People are on their phone, on apps. There's words with friends. There's, you know, all these games and stuff. But I'm challenging our listeners this week do something old school, play a board Mm -hmm. game, get a crossword puzzle or something, and it'll take you back in time. And it'll just be a fun way to disconnect from all of the technology that we're always on. So I love that. I love that because (laughs) I keep getting, you know, every Sunday, my iPhone reminds me of my screen time. And every Sunday I am horrified. Me too. Uh, the number on the screen. And so the more I can get off technology these days, which sometimes isn't possible with work, but in my spare time, I, I want to take a break and I, I like crossword puzzles, but you know what? I also love word searches. Those were my, that was my <laughs> jam in the nineties. Like yeah. we, we would go on road trips. We'd buy, cause I mean, obviously this is so far before iPhones and tablets and things like that when we were kids, but we would buy one of those big, thick books of word searches at the gas station. And I would just sit in the back and do my word search. And plus that's probably good for a kid to learn new words by. It's good for adults too, for just like, I don't know, keeping your mind sharp. I feel like, you know, brain sharp. I remember um, as a kid, speaking of word searches, you know, you always felt really proud of yourself when you found the ones that were spelled backwards. <laughs> yes. yes, but I'll tell you the one little puzzle book game that I never really got into, but my boyfriend is obsessed with is Sudoku. I never got, remember when Sudoku was so popular when we were in college, maybe that was just at KU, but it was the, all the rage back when we were in college. And I just never got into that, but I do love a good crossword and I do love a good word search. 
Yeah, I never got into um, into that either. I um, I was into solitaire for a while on my computer. I well. like solitaire as well. <laughs> I, that reminds me of my grandparents. They used to have a breakfast nook in their house. And um, both of them, you know, they just like in retirement were never apart. And both of them would just sit there at the breakfast nook and play solitaire side by side. I'm like, <laughs> why don't y'all play a card game together? But they just love their, their solitaire. Just, uh simpler times but you know those simpler times are just a moment away if we can close our laptops and shut off our phones for a minute and just go back to those times they're still available mm-hmm. so what are you that. into okay so this week i am into the fact that everywhere i look i'm seeing the chocolate biscuit cake recipe that you mentioned on a previous episode which <laughs> apparently is william's favorite and it is what they served at william and kate's wedding and it doesn't even require baking. Um, the Royal Collection Trust shared the recipe, which I'm going to make in my earliest opportunity. Like I might make it this weekend. So um, I, I can't wait to see how it tastes. I mean, I'm no, you know, as I've said before, I'm no chef, but if it doesn't really even require baking, it shouldn't be that hard, right? Yeah. Let me know how that turns out because that <laughs> cake does look really, um, really good. I mean, I, I love chocolate. So I'm I love it when, that. when recipes get shared and it doesn't happen all the time, but a couple of years ago, we got the recipe for those star cookies that they make at mm-hmm. Christmas time. And that was cool. And now we've got the chocolate biscuit cake recipe. So I will try it out and let you know how it goes. I of the two of us, I'm certainly not the better one in the kitchen, but I mean, it sounds so easy that even I could do it. So we'll see how it goes. Well, speaking of British recipes, uh, my grandmother uh, makes a really great English trifle. And um, if listeners have listened to our show before, you, you know, I love to cook, but um, I also really like trying to make healthier versions of some of the classics. Um, and so I did actually stumble across a recipe for it's a paleo English trifle. And I'm going to go ahead and say, I know it is not going to be as indulgent as the real thing, um, but I may actually give that one a shot. So I'll let you know, you tell me about the chocolate biscuit cake and I'll let you know about the English trifle, how it turns out. Sounds good. We can compare baking notes. For sure. So we have a very exciting interview today, later in the show with Chris Jackson. We'll talk more about him in a bit, but First, the Royal Rundown, we do have quite a bit of news to cover today. So a shocking announcement from the London police came this week, or maybe it's not so shocking at this point, because this is the third inquiry that they've undertaken, and they haven't moved forward with any of them. But the Metropolitan Police Service, MPS, said they would be taking no further action against Prince Andrew after reviewing claims put forth by Virginia Roberts Jufri. In a statement released on Monday, the MPS said, as a matter of procedure, MPS officers reviewed a document released in August 2021 as part of a U.S. civil action. This review has concluded and we are taking no further action. The, Metro- the Metropolitan Police Service excuse me, continues to liaise with other law enfor- enforcement agencies who lead the investigation into matters related to Jeffrey Epstein. So, you know, this this is this matter is not closed. This is just the MPS. The U.S. civil suit continues, so we will keep you up to date with the latest developments in this ongoing debacle. But it is disappointing to see no action taken in the claim. But we have yet to see what the U.S. civil suit what happens from that. So, any thoughts on that? Um, you know. I think I am, I don't know, kind of like you said, are we surprised at this point? I started to say I'm a little bit surprised, but, um, you know, I I will continue to follow this story and see what happens on the U.S. side of things. Um, But yeah, I mean, I guess, you know, at this point, nothing's really surprising. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, this is the third time that they haven't pursued action, so We'll see what happens in the U.S. civil suit. This is by no means over. So though Prince Harry did make the trip back to the U.K. for the unveiling of a statue of his mother, Princess Diana, on July 1st, 
the Sussexes will not be traveling back to the UK for a private reception for donors who, fi- who funded the statue on October 19th. On hand will be Prince William and Elton John, and Harry, in lieu of attending, will reach out privately to donors. So does this really come as a surprise to you? You know, I actually was following the story um, as well, and I think I read, obviously, you know, the Spencer Spencer family will be there. Um, And, you know, it is not a surprise to me. I um, I can't remember where they said the party was going to be held, Um, but you know, we've talked about Harry and Meghan in the royal family quite a bit on this podcast, and I kind of felt all along that I didn't expect um, Meghan at least to come back to the UK anytime soon. Um, you know, I'm sure, you know, we may see them back for the Platinum Jubilee, but, um, you know, she's just had her baby, and I, I sort of feel like with them having just gone to New York, I, I you know, part of me feels like Prince Harry would come back given it's a reception for the statue of Princess Diana, but at the same time, I don't think he's going to come back without Megan for that. And, um, you know, he, he was just at the unveiling of the statue. So I don't know. What do you think? Well, Megan obviously was pregnant for a lot of things that happened earlier this year with the, with Prince Philip's funeral. And then, um, you know, the Diana statue unveiling was less than a month after she gave birth, but I have heard rumblings and these are unconfirmed. So that's why we're not officially reporting on them. But I have heard rumblings that William denied um, Meghan and Harry's request to have Lily's christening at Windsor. Mm -hmm. And so they were going to come back for that. I I know I heard over the summer that they wanted to come back and christen her in the UK. I have not heard any plans of that. And for comparison's sake, Archie was born on May 6th. He was christened on July 6th. So Lily was born on June 4th and it's now October 12th. So I don't know if they're going to do a public christening. I don't know if Megan has, I don't know their intentions, but I don't know if they will come back to the UK for a while. I I hope they'll come back for the platinum Jubilee and for trooping the color and all of that. But I, um, I think they're just firmly planting roots in California and I don't know if we'll see them across the pond anytime soon. Yeah, I think I think I'm there with you on that. I, I don't know that we'll see them at Trooping the Color, but I I wouldn't be surprised if we see them for the Platinum Jubilee. Um, I don't I don't really expect them before then though. Yeah, I wouldn't ex- I wouldn't hold my breath for them to be in the UK before Platinum Jubilee at the earliest. So hopefully they'll come then, but. It's their life, their call. So speaking of Megan and Harry, they have, they're so, they're busy. They have no time to travel to the UK because they have a new role announced today, Tuesday, October 12th in finance this time. The duo has signed on as impact partners with Ethic, a financial services company focused on something called ESG, environmental, social, and governance investing. Its clients have already invested more than $1 billion into values-driven companies. The couple said in a statement today, quote, when we invest in each other, we change the world, be it through the investment of time, as with mentoring, think Megan's 40 by 40 or 40x40 initiative, investment in community, as with volunteering, or the investment of funds for those who have the means to. Our choices of how and where we put our energy define us as a global community. We believe it's time for more people to have a seat at the table when decisions are made that impact everyone. We want to rethink the nature of investing to help solve the global issues we all face. Our impact partnership with Ethic is one of the ways we put our values into action. So what are your thoughts on this? And I'm, I'm, I, what is an impact partnership? So does that just mean that they are partnering to give ethic more of a platform and that's their impact. Yeah, that's what I was kind of taking from this. And I, I don't know, I, this is the first I'm hearing from this. I'm assuming this news just came out. Maybe it just today. came out today. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to have to dig into this a little bit more um, and, and try to get a deeper understanding. So I guess ethic is not, is it not under the Archwell? Um, no, ethic umbrella, is, I guess. So ethic is, is literally separate. Own- 
company. Ethic is its own company. Right. But they're not partnering through R12 or they are. They are. They are. They are. Well, okay, so okay. anytime, anytime these days we hear Megan and Harry, it's through Arch, like the overarching Archwell, no pun intended. So Archwell <laughs> has three arms. It has Archwell Audio, mm-hmm. which again, you know, insert comments here about how where is Archwell <laughs> Audio? Um, Archwell Productions, which is the Netflix deal, and then Archwell foundation which i assume this is a part of um i assume anything philanthropic like this go although is finance and investing really philanthropic i don't know but this but it did this news release did come out on the archwell website so i i mean i guess everything they do is technically archwell yeah that that's what i was wondering and that's that makes sense um yeah, I, you know, I, I'm going to have to dig into this story a little bit more. This is the first time hearing about it. It um, feels like it's, there's a lot going on <laughs> in this yeah. announcement. Uh, so do you have any initial thoughts? Well, as someone who admittedly, me personally has too many jobs as a freelance writer, I have, I feel like I have 15 jobs at any given time. I know in my life, that when I am spread so thin like that, I feel unable to give my all to anything. Everybody gets like 15% of me right now or 10% of me. And so I hope that they, and this is not a judgment call. I just cop to the fact that I am spread too thin, but I hope that they are not spreading themselves too thin because everybody in the world wants to work with Megan and Harry everybody wants to work with them. And there are a lot of attractive companies that fit their mission. And so I just, I, I hope that, and again, no judgment here, so please don't at me, but I hope that they are being really selective about who they take on and not spreading themselves too thin because as I'm living out in my life right now, when you're spread too thin, like, I'm about, this is probably TMI listeners probably don't care, but I'll share that I'm starting a new full-time role at the end of October. And when that happens, I'm going to have to let a lot of things go because I just don't have time and I want to have maximum impact at my full-time job. And so I just want Harry and Megan to have maximum impact. And it seems like they have their hands in a lot of different pots. And yeah. so I don't know how much of a time commitment being an impact partner is. I don't even know what being an impact partner is, but I know Harry is also chief impact officer at Better Up. I haven't heard a thing about it since that announcement came out. I don't know where, what, I don't know where Archwell Audio is. I don't, I mean, I know these things take time. We are podcasters, so we understand, but I just want to see them have maximum impact and do the best work they can. And it just seems like every other day we're adding something to the pile. And, but I want to see results from what's already in the mix. Does yeah, that make I totally, any sense? Yeah, I totally agree with you. I, I don't know, you know, how big the behind the scenes team is at Art 12 um, or, you know, to your point, what level of involvement they are having with all of the organizations that they take on. Um, but we've said this before about, you know, others associated with the royal family. When you when you start something new and you have an initiative, it's easy to talk up these things um, and, and talk about the importance of them and how, you know, you want to make this change or this impact. But um, I think, you know, you've got to have substance behind it or it's just, Absolutely. so, you know, when we talk about stuff like the, the Spotify podcasts and stuff, you know, it's been, we're coming on a year since they had one episode come out. Um, and you have to have real work behind those things to actually make the impact and for it to be more than, um, just fluffy words. So I, I totally yeah. agree with you on that. Um, I'll yeah. definitely need to dig into this a little bit more. Yeah. It just came out this afternoon and look, by now we're on episode 41 listeners should know I'm coming from a place of love and they don't Harry and Megan don't need me to tell them how to run their life or their business by any means 
but the proof is in the pudding and I want, I want a little bit more substance to the millions of projects they have going on. They have their feet in 40,000 different pots, but I want to, I want to see actual audio episodes. I look every few, I used to look every day. Now I look like maybe once a week. Is there a new actual audio episode? And, you know, I, I want, I want some delivery on the on these big deals and so you know that's just it's coming from a place of love and um but I mean hey look this company I don't know a thing about this company I didn't know them until I heard about them today maybe that's the whole point of being an impact partner is now I'm aware of ethic and the work that they're doing but everything sounds great but like you said substance 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 so so, and you know what? I want to say one more thing. I, I want to hearken back to the SmartWorks um, capsule collection in 2019. Now that was substantial. We have numbers that say these are how many women were served by that, by that collaboration. And that's the kind of stuff I want to see. And I don't know if we are getting those kind of results like we did when they were in the family. And I don't think it has anything to do with them being working members of the family or not. I just think like all of us, they're trying to figure it out and learning as they go. And so I am team Harry and Megan all the way. And I just want to see, I want to see some smart works capsule collection style, style <laughs> patronages. Okay, so a powerful message from the Duke and Duchess of Cambridge on World Mental Health Day. The duo took to Instagram and wrote, taking care of our mental health and well-being has never been more important. This hashtag World Mental Health Day, we are highlighting some of the fantastic organizations providing support for those who might need it because there is help out there. What will you be doing to take care of your mental health today? I love that. I'm a very proud therapy proponent, daughter of two therapists, and full-on supportive of us doing whatever it takes for us to take care of our mental health. So bravo. More details are coming in about the Earthshot Prize Awards, which will air on Sunday, October 17th, this upcoming Sunday. We will see the likes of Coldplay, Ed Sheeran, and Sean Mendes perform and the Duchess of Cambridge, Emma Watson, and David Oyelowo will be presenters. Sir David Attenborough will also be on hand to talk more about the Earthshot Prize. So is there anybody you're especially looking forward to seeing? And why is it the Duchess of Cambridge? <laughs> because that's my, that's my answer too. <laughs> You read my mind, Rachel. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I was going to say I'm always excited to hear a little Ed Sheeran. Um, but yeah, when it comes to presenters, I am absolutely, I'm always looking forward to hearing from the Duchess of Cambridge. I love it when she gets up and, and speaks in public. Um, and I love that she is sort of intertwined in this and as a part of it. I think, you know, it's obviously a passion project of Prince William and he's put a lot of work into it. And I encourage our listeners, if you want to dig into this more, they do have an Instagram page, but they also have a website and the website is really, really nice. Um, it's got everything kind of, you know, organized there and you can go and you can read bios of, um, of presenters and you can read about um, the nominees. And so there's a lot of information there, but no, I'm absolutely looking forward to hearing what, um, what the Duchess of Cambridge has to say. And I'm hearing rumblings that she's going to play a pretty major part in the award ceremony. So, um, you know, I don't have cable and this is the bane of my existence, but I'm going to have to find a way to get, oh, I forgot. We mentioned this a couple episodes ago. I think it's going to be on Facebook. Um, I think it'll be broadcast on discovery. There's a way listeners listen to our past episodes. There's a way for you to catch this. I remember, I remember this. I just need to do my due diligence and figure it out, but it is on Sunday, October 17th. So get excited for that. I, I, again, you know, I love seeing all of the members of the family living out their passion projects and this is Williams. So, okay. Hard pivot to Monaco. Um, good news. I, we haven't really had really good news coming out of Monaco in a while, but it looks like Princess Charlene of Monaco's return home might be sooner than we think. 
Uh, the Royal went in last Friday for what is being dubbed her final procedure, and she is expected to return to Monaco imminently. I'm really happy to see her finally headed home, and I'm I'm sure you are too. We've been talking about this for months, so. Yes, I actually was reading an article about this um, last week, and I had uh, intended to mention it to you, but um, I know Prince Albert was actually interviewed, or he he kind of spoke on it to the press, um, and and he basically said that they never intended for her to be over there that long, that there were some complications after her surgery. And it kind of led to this extended stay to get that worked out. And that, you know, we, he and the kids went to visit in June and again in August. Um, so I'm really glad he kind of stepped up to hopefully try to put some rumors to rest. He also um, addressed the, the rumors directly and, and just said basically that um, their relationship is a target because of who they are and of their platform. Um, and, and, you know, we see that a lot with, with Royals. Um, so yeah, I'm excited for her. I hope she's doing well and she continues to have a speedy recovery and, and be reunited with her family. Um, so really happy for the good news. Yeah, me too. Me too. She's been gone since May. It's October. It's like, yeah, incredibly long time, especially when you have kids that are, I think they're like six. I mean, they're pretty, yeah, they're six, they're six-year-old twins. So how gorgeous did the queen look in her pop of orange this week? Uh, she was out with son Edward to launch the queen's baton relay outside of Buckingham Palace. The baton, I think this is so cool, will travel over 294 days and 90,000 miles to all 72 nations and territories of the Commonwealth. Did you know that the baton also has a secret message from the queen? It will be read at the opening ceremony of the Commonwealth Games in July. I wonder what it says. Any guesses? I don't know. I think that's really cool. Uh, we know we'll have to wait and see, but she did look great in, in the orange. You know, she was all smiles and she really seemed to be enjoying herself. And I'm just, you know, continually um, impressed by how um, she works you know, at the level that she works at and, and she shows up looking incredible and she looks great in any color. I don't know if you saw, she was wearing a beautiful deep blue color today. I did see that. And Princess Anne um, was, was with her and they had, <laughs> of course I would notice this, they had matching shoes. <laughs> did they really? I didn't notice that. Well, like people, daughter, are, people are making a big fuss about the queen had a cane today. Tuesday the 12th and mm -hmm. it's I think it's she hasn't used a cane I think in 17 years since she had knee surgery it's she's fine um they just I think she was just being extra cautious because I, I read this that uh Westminster has cobblestones and so she was just being extra cautious so I don't think there's anything to worry about but she did look beautiful today look we have all misstepped on a cobblestone street before and you know I mean I don't even need a cobblestone yeah, if she can, if she can be careful and prevent a trip, I. Do you remember back in January when I was walking down my driveway and I fell and I sprained my ankle and I was training for a 5k at the time. And I, I like, <laughs> literally that was the moment that I basically stopped exercising because I was walking down the driveway. I was 34 mm -hmm. years old time and I uh, totally fell off the side of the driveway, landed in the grass and it couldn't move for 10 days. So look, good on her for well, taking caution. We won't talk about the few times I have misstepped and fallen down the stairs. In the last yeah, I mean, look, I, it happens to the best of us. So Her Majesty also met this week at Windsor with the Royal Regiment of Canadian Artillery, presenting the Captain General Sword to those selected to exemplary leadership in the rank of Captain, from each of the Royal Regiment's regular and reserve force components. Please say that five times fast. The Royal mm -hmm. Regiment's regular and reserve force components. I always love to see the Queen um, doing that side of her of her work. I, I just think it's really, um, really cool. So the Diana six-part docuseries on CNN premiered this past Sunday, October 12th. And I don't have cable and I missed it. But don't worry, I'm going to catch up. This upcoming Sunday, I'm going to have a big Sunday with the Earthshot Prize and two episodes of the Diana docuseries. Um, I've heard there's lots of royal experts on there, like Elizabeth Holmes. I think um, Rachel from the Royally Obsessed podcast is on there. Um, probably tons more, but um, 
I, I need, I'm really excited to watch that. And uh, I thought, you know, most, most of the time I can get the, uh, whatever I want to watch the next day on Amazon, but that didn't happen. So that's why I'm behind. So do you have any interest in watching that as well? Yeah, definitely. Um, I'm in the same boat as you. I don't, um, I don't have cable, but um, I will try to find a way to watch that. It'll eventually end up on HBO Max. All CNN docuseries eventually end up there, but I don't want to wait that long. So I'm going to um, go over probably to my mom's and park myself in, in front of her television and, you know, big, big asks to ask her to watch a Diana docuseries. She loves Diana as much or more than I do. So, well, we have had no shortage of Diana content this year for sure. Um, well, that's what mom said. She said, what are you going to learn at this point, Rachel? <laughs> She's like, not already the story doesn't change. And I'm like, yeah, but I don't care. It's still Diana. Like I could watch, you know, someone like, I don't know, read like just the most boring documentary ever. Not saying that's what this is, but I could watch anything about Diana. So I'll get caught up and have more of a read by our next episode. Um, by the way, happy birthday on October 15th to Sarah Ferguson, Duchess of York. She'll be 62. Um, has she, you know, we haven't talked about her, her, her reading room lately and her what the royal moments lately. Is she, has she been doing anything of interest lately? I know we need to, we need to get caught up on some of her latest posts. Uh, but, you know, I was thinking about her recently and I can't think of anything that, you know, anything new or different that would really catch my eye to, uh, to report on. Um, but I'll go back in and see if I can get some updates for listeners. I know she's got her book out now, so, uh, we'll have to, we'll have to look for something. Um, but hopefully, uh, hopefully we'll have some little updates on that. But I am wishing her a happy birthday, and I kind of feel like this year she'll be celebrating with August and Sienna. What do you think? Oh, definitely. I was going to say she's been, she hasn't had time to do reading room lately because she's been too busy probably reading to August and Sienna, and especially lately with the new baby. So um, speaking of the York girls, it's also worth noting that the day we're recording, October 12th, is Eugenie and Jack's third wedding anniversary. So happy anniversary to the Brooks Banks. Can't believe that was three years ago. I know. Time flies. I also wanted to shout out one of my favorite royal correspondents, Michelle Ruiz at Vogue, who I think I've mentioned on the show before. She is one of my favorites and wrote a piece I highly recommend all royal followers read on Vogue this week called How Are You? When You're a Royal, the Answer Speaks Volumes. It addresses the news that came out this week about actor Rami Malek asking Kate how she was at the BAFTAs in 2019. She had just had Louis not long before. It is a great read, very thought-provoking and compelling. I aspire to be as solid of a reporter as Michelle is one day. So check mm -hmm. it out. And now for the main event on the show today, we are honored to have a truly legendary royal photographer, Chris Jackson, whose book, Elizabeth II, A Queen for Our Time, was released yesterday. Actually, it's really today, October 12th, but you know how we are with the day before recording. Take a listen to our conversation. <laughs> What an honor and a delight it is to have on today's program, Chris Jackson, the royal photographer for Getty Images, whose newest book, Elizabeth II, A Queen for Our Time, hit shelves this week. For the past two decades, he has been granted privileged access to both Her Majesty and the British royal family, traveling to more than 100 countries with the British royal family and frequently having his photos appear on the front pages of newspapers and magazines. His work is nothing short of legendary and iconic, and he has captured many, if not most, of the most impressionable images of the Queen and her family over the past two decades. We are so happy to have you here. Welcome to the show, Chris. Wow, what a, what a kind introduction. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Really appreciate it. Oh, it's an it. honor. It's an honor. We were so excited to talk to you. So let's go ahead and jump right into these questions. Um, tell us, how does one become a legendary royal photographer? Did you want to do this work growing up? 
my god legendary I'm not sure I'd go that far but, but thank you those um, are our words you're very modest <laughs> um well yeah you're right it is kind of um, a weird and wonderful job and um there's no straightforward path into royal photography um I actually studied physiology I did science at university and um I had a passion for photography and I actually had a little dark room downstairs in my student house and I used to sneak off and go and de develop photos whenever I had the opportunity so it was very much um something that I absolutely loved doing and it was always a passion of mine but I never thought it could turn into a career and then when I finished university I managed to get a job at Getty Images um pretty much the most prestigious photo agency in the world which is amazing I was so excited and it but it wasn't a job as a photographer it was actually a job um working with as an account exec and I loved it it was just great to be in the world of photography and, and working with some incredible photographers and over the years um I well sorry over the next year I managed to kind of um get some equipment and shoot for them whenever I could and eventually they gave me a job uh, which was amazing and I suppose the royal um side to the job developed organically over my time um with Getty Images I, I just loved everything about photographing the royal family um I loved the travel I loved the fact you're photographing these incredible um people the history having a front row seat to these huge moments that were that, you know they captured the imagination of people around the world so it was really special and it seemed to fit everything that I loved about photography and so yeah fast forward um, almost 20 years and and here we are. So let's go back in time almost 20 years ago to your first royal assignment do you remember where you I'm sure you do remember where you were and who you were photographing? Wow, that's a, that's a good question, and I'm not sure how good my memory is, but, but I, I did have um, a um, an assignment editor at Getty Images who is incredibly passionate about the royal families, and royal families from around, not, not just the UK, but also Europe, and I think I remember going to, one of the early um, things I did uh, was head off to um, Malawi with Princess Metamari, um, and um, I had a fantastic trip. I think it probably ignited um, my early passion for going on royal visits um, and I loved doing that that was probably one of the more early foreign engagements but I I think I must have photographed the Queen at Royal Ascot or something of course Royal Ascot is um, you know a regular for the royal family and especially the Queen and I, I think I probably took my first photo photograph of the Queen at Royal Ascot so uh, yeah quite a while ago now. <laughs> oh. You write I still feel a certain weight of responsibility each time and undoubtedly a sense of nerves, which are essential to keep that edge to push the creative boundaries and not retreat into the comfort of routine. So even after all of your years doing this work, what is your reaction when Her Majesty enters the room? I think, you know, that really rings true, actually, and, and that's really important. There's, it's a bit of a cliche, but really no two days are the same in this job. And, um, of course, you know, we see a lot of the royal family. Um, we see the Queen on a you know, fairly regular basis, but, uh, but irregular enough to make it each moment we see her very special. Um, there's certainly an element of, um, of nerves. And I always, you know, worry that the light's going to change, the weather could change, you know, any, any number of things could not go to plan. And that is actually one of the things I love about this job is you aren't necessarily in control of what's going on in front of you. And it adds an element of excitement, but also an element of risk um, and an element of unpredictability. And uh, I love that, you know, you've got to throw in a bit of luck every day. And if, if everything goes your way, then you might take a fantastic photo but you know quite often it doesn't um and that's what's one of the you know the most enjoyable things about that and every day you are adding to that royal archive you are yeah. adding um to a kind of historic the fabric of british history and that's yeah. one of the things i love about it you know it's quite special that people will look at your pictures in kind of 10 years time maybe even 100 years time i suppose that's what's quite amazing about photographing the royal family yeah, isn't it wonderful that, you know, your work will long outlive all of us and, and people will be looking at your work for, for, for centuries to come as you document well, this beautiful life. 
Yeah, I mean, I suppose the, the one thing that really brings that home is I've been to the Getty Images archive quite a few times. We've got this incredible um, archive in um, East London, and I've looked at some of these um, these glass slides from you know over a hundred years ago, and and some of the kind of um, black and white photos from more recent years. And you look at this, and it makes you realise um, that the pictures you're taking today are contributing to that that kind of rich um, history um, and it's and it's really special and you know you are essentially photographing a, a small um, group of people which I suppose is different to other types of photography maybe celebrity photography mm -hmm. um, and you get to know them you get to get, know the nuances and uh, yeah it's, it's a kind of a unique niche of photography. Yeah, that's a perfect lead into my next question. So we're approaching, of course, the Queen's Platinum Jubilee next year, and we've we've all seen photographs of her so many times. Few of us will ever get the opportunity to meet her, especially not as many times as you have. So what is she like face to face? Is she as lovely as we imagine her to be? Yeah, I think and I hope that um, when you look at the book, you get an impression of, um, of what the Queen is like. Um, of course, like you say, not everyone gets the opportunity to meet the Queen or be near the Queen. And I think um, hopefully the book puts across a little bit of, um, you know, what an incredible presence she has. Um, but also the kind of the warmth she exudes um, when she's around people, around her family um and you know she has this incredible professionalism and dignity and approach to every engagement that i photographed her on and you know it, it's always exciting um to take photos of the queen and you know some of the pictures in the book are really um the ones that i suppose resonate the most um with me and people that look at them are the ones where she's kind of interacting with people they mm -hmm. those, those kind of fleeting moments which i'm really looking for as a royal photographer and ones that kind of you know they they bring out an emotion in the viewer so they make you smile or you feel you know warmth when you look at them we were just talking about uh, before we started recording how your photographs are an undeniable part of history. And, and I'm thinking of some right now as I'm sitting here. Um, you know, we remember the 2019 photo of four generations of monarchs making Christmas pudding at Buckingham Palace. <laughs> <laughs> um, or the gorgeous anniversary shot of the Queen and Prince Philip from last year. And, um, you know, sadly, that was their last anniversary portrait. So I know there are so many moments to choose from, but can you tell us about your most memorable time photographing the Queen? Well, that's a difficult one. There's so many to choose from. I suppose one of the things that is, is so special about photographing the Queen is quite often the moments you capture here are these big um, historic moments, you know, watched by millions of people around the world. It could be, you know, um, a wedding, a christening or, or, or anything like that. But it's actually some of the engagements that really stand out in my memory are the more kind of low key ones. I think one of my favorite pictures of the queen in the book is um, a shot at the Royal Albert Hall. Um, where she's with Princess Anne and Countess of Wessex. And a knife gets stuck in the cake, and the queen can't get it out. And it's just, you know, it's it's one of those moments where things don't quite go to plan, but quite often you get the the most lovely photos from those those moments, and you have to really be on the ball for those kind of things. And it's just a lovely kind of moment where everyone's um, everyone sort of bursts into laughter, and it's it's kind of one of those warm photos I was talking about earlier. Um, there's another shot actually, which may, always makes me smile, and it's a bit unexpected. But it's it's Queen the Queen meeting Donna the Asian elephant at Whitsnade Animal Park, um, <laughs> and that was a bit of a weird one because I remember waking up that morning and I just you know I thought okay the Queen's going to open open the um, the new elephant enclosure at Whitsnade, but I didn't actually expect her to get as close as she did and, and feed Donna a banana, which is amazing. <laughs> most unexpected thing of course this is a huge you know potentially dangerous animal uh, so normally I wouldn't expect the queen to get as close but I love this the shot where the um, elephant um, her trunk outstretched you know keen to snaffle another banana from the queen so that was you know one of the more unexpected moments and it contrasts to some of the formality um, and yeah, some of the other photos are, you know, are much more contemplative and, and, and serious. And there was one, another one um, where the Queen is 
she's visiting a um, an art installation um, in the moat of the Tower of London that was called um, I think it was called Blood Sweat Lands and Seas of Red and it was over 800,000 um, ceramic poppies and each one represented um, someone one of the fallen in the war so it was incredibly poignant and remembering and remembering those who have made ultimate sacrifices such an important part of the Queen's um, role um, and I took this photograph I think it was in the morning and you know the light was kind of glinting off these um, these incredible um, earthenware poppies and it was just it was an amazing sight and it actually really captured the public's imagination and um, and a lot of people went went to see it but I, I took this shot with the Queen and the Duke who, who came to visit it and it was quite I suppose a poignant moment um, so you know that that's one you might remember from the book and that's another yep. um, special and really visual moment for me um, but yeah there's there's been there's been so many over the years it's quite it's difficult to choose your favorite because I suppose a lot of the time you're also remembering what went alongside that photograph what you were doing at the time what what the the royal tour was like what the visit was like and so for every photograph you look at there's a whole um raft of memories that go along alongside yeah. that photograph yeah um, yeah so actually one more which was very special yeah. which was um when the queen um knighted captain tom who oh, um yes uh, yeah in the quadrangle of buckingham palace and of course captain tom moore um or captain tom as he became known he, he set out to raise just one and a half thousand dollars um uh you know ahead of his hundredth birthday by walking laps around his garden but he was this incredible character. He really captured the imagination of the public. And he went on to raise, you know, over $46 uh, million. Um, um, I think it was about 36 um, million pounds um, for the national health. And he was this incredible character. And this engagement was one of the first ones um, after lockdown. So of course it being it had been quite quiet for me in terms of photographing rural events, and so it was very special to get the opportunity to capture this this moment. And um, this picture, I think, really captured the, this moment. Captured the public's imagination because what Captain Tom had done really um, resonated with the British public. Um, and he was so humble and just had a great sense of humour. I remember him saying, you know, if he knelt down to be knighted, he may never get up again. <laughs> so he was this lovely, he was this lovely guy. And I, you know, it was such a hot day. And um, and yeah, it was uh, it was a lovely moment. So that picture really stands out for me in the book, actually. I think it's I, yeah, I can't look at that photo and not and not get teary-eyed. But so on the on the other side, the one of my personal favorites from the book is that the photo of Prince Philip chuckling as the red carpet was having a little bit of trouble being rolled out right here in the US of A in 2007. Yeah, I'm sorry. That I'm made me laugh out loud. I love you guys over there. I don't think it's a representative of uh, you know, the US. They're normally the most organized meetings uh, <laughs> normally go smoothly. <laughs> Prince Philip's sense of humor is second to none. And I just, I, you know, I mean, they go to they, so many events, right? And so when yeah. something like that, when the red carpet can't get it right, it's probably incredibly entertaining. But so speaking of that photo, what would you say is one of your more memorable photos of photographing another member of the family other than Her Majesty? Oh, wow. Um, in, in terms of the rest of the family, um, well, uh, uh, I'm sure in my, in my previous book, Modern Monarchy, there's quite a few of those. I think it's always so difficult to choose from because, like I say, every moment, every situation has different memories associated with it. So, I, you know, I've spent a lot of time photographing um, work. Prince Harry was sent to Bali in Lesotho, and that's that's been very special. And of course, you know, photographing people like Prince George is always a huge, uh, a huge honour. Um, and there's some great, you know, you always come away from moments like that with a smile on your face. And, you know, it's royal tours around the world. I just, you know, the buzz of being on a royal tour is always very special. I suppose I did a big project with the Prince of Wales around his 75th birthday behind the scenes, which was 
you know, really, I actually loved doing that. It was, you know, kind of reportage style of photography and, and capturing some of the things he's passionate about, the environment, um, traveling on the Royal train. And it kind of culminated in, in a family picture um, at Clarence House that you may remember, which was, oh, which yeah. was amazing to, to take. So I, I, it's very difficult to choose. There's so many to choose from, but that, that is what is so wonderful about photographs and Royal Family is capturing these different characters and different moments and, and you know things like the diamond jubilee i remember that vividly and um that features in in this book as well but i'm very much looking forward to the platinum jubilee of course next year so um yeah huge amount to look forward to um yeah. you're going to pin me down on the exact pitch now aren't you <laughs> um i'm trying to think um my favorite picture of someone other than the queen um I know I that's know. so hard to choose. That is so hard. Well, I, I've probably got my favorite 20, um, but I'll come back to you on that, I think. Okay. <laughs> you've, you've done more than enough. I mean, that's the impossible question, right. right? Well, you've been doing this work for a long time. So to say much has changed in the last two decades in the British royal family would be a huge understatement. Um, from your perspective as a royal photographer, can you tell us what specifically has changed the most from when you began your work to now? Wow, that's a good question. I think, um, and I mentioned this in the book actually, what's been fascinating is the way that technology changes over time. Um, I look back at some of the royal photographers of the past and you know things were done in a very different way. And these days, um, what's incredible is I can take a photograph and I work with this incredible team of editors at Getty Images and that my pictures can be, you know, on, on the, um, the desks, the newspapers and magazines within minutes, which is amazing, you know, transmitted around the world. And I suppose that's the same for social media. Um, everything's changed over the last few years and everyone, all, everyone has a camera on their phone. And you often see, um, you know, a whole raft of people taking photographs at royal events. And, you know, that's, that's something that we didn't have a few years ago. I often think it's, it's much nicer when people um, put their cameras down and actually take, take a moment to chat with the members of the Royal Family. That's, mm. that's quite nice. Um, so, you know, things have changed over the years um, in terms of taking the photographs. Um, the quality of pictures is, is, is amazing there. And that's, that's um, probably the biggest thing I'd say that's changed over the years. Um, of course, you know, history changes. We see different dynamics in the royal family and um, different royal tours. I used to travel with the Queen more, and of course now she's handed over much of her her, her, um, her foreign travel to the younger members of the royal family. Um, so I spend my time traveling with the Prince of Wales, Dutch of the Cornwall, Duke and Dutch of Cambridge. Um, so yeah, it's, uh, it's, you know, it's an ever evolving story, which is what makes it so fascinating never a day that was like the previous one in your line of work for sure definitely not no well I, I say that and that's definitely true but what is really nice is there is a kind of backbone to the royal year mm. um there's events like treating the color royal ascot um the pistol ceremony the garter ceremony and that these events have been happening for hundreds of years there's an incredible history and symbolism and meaning behind them and that is incredible it adds such a depth to what you do um and then you have to throw into the mix the kind of daily events that are new and haven't been done before um you know um projects like prince williams um earth shot awards you know this mm -hmm. is the new and exciting thing and, you know there's so much new stuff going on and new innovation and exciting things to look forward to so it's kind of like um the backbone of the royal year and the royal diary and all this interesting new stuff which what's kind of keeps you on your toes really which is exciting yeah so you mentioned this in the book but the duchess of cambridge has made photography really cool and really trendy for a whole new generation of people what are some of your best photography tips for a budding photographer who might be keen to take a page from her book and start taking photographs well, Dutch of Cambridge is obviously passionate about, you know, photography, and we see some really lovely pictures that she's taken in the past with members of um, her family, and, you know, she's, she being around her family, um, as you are, <laughs> is the best, you know, it's obviously they feel most relaxed around her, and she takes some really lovely, 
we've seen lovely pictures of her family, which we've seen on the sort of front pages of the newspapers over recent years. Um, you know, and I think that is the most important thing. Your subjects have to feel relaxed around you, and that applies to all photography. And you often get the best pictures when you're um, certainly in my job, um, a fly on the wall, I suppose, and you're the, you're there. And, and I find what's most successful for me in my job is not to be kind of in someone's face, snapping away the whole time. It's to to very much sort of take a step back, um, wait for the moment, observe, look at the light, try and predict what's going to happen next, and um, and then when the moment's there, take the photo. Um, and I, I think it hopefully makes your subjects feel a little bit more relaxed um, mm. and you can be there to capture that moment when it happens. Um, I think preparation is really important. Um, you know, obviously make sure your cameras are charged, <laughs> make sure you have the best, the right equipment, make sure you have your camera. You know, of course, some of the some of the best pictures we see happen when, uh, when you're least expecting it. And I think uh -huh. these days we all have a camera in our back pocket with our with our smartphone. So, you know, we all have a camera to take photos, but it is important to be thinking about the light, thinking about composition, thinking about uh, your subject. And, you know, you can apply all these different rules and hopefully um, take some better pictures. But it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's the mindset, I suppose, and, and light and composition and you know having the right equipment as, as the three most important things I would say. Well it is truly an art. Um, mm -hmm. We've got one more question for you before no we problem. finish up today. So being a royal photographer it means you spend Christmas taking photos at Sandringham and you get to travel frequently. You know what you do is so much more than simply a job or a career. I mean, it's truly a lifestyle, um, and you're always the one looking through the lens, photographing others smiling. But you've been quoted saying that there have been many heartwarming moments that left you smiling behind the camera. So when you think of your life in this role and future generations who will experience your work, what would you like your legacy to be? Yeah, thank you. That's a great question. I think um, that is very true. It's certainly a lifestyle um, and you have to be passionate about it and very committed to it. You know, quite often you do find yourself missing family events and, and important dates in the diary because, you know, you have to be, if you're not there, you can't take the photograph and, you know, and if you don't take the photograph, there's going to be a hole in your kind of archive in your library where, where, where you should have been. And that's, that can be difficult at times, but um, it can also be incredible because, you know, it is a huge privilege to be there for some of these moments. And some of them do, you know, really um, leave you smiling behind the camera. And that's, that is amazing. That's one of the most special things about photographing the royal family. A lot of these moments are really kind of heartwarming, positive moments. Uh, and to have this, you know, front row seat to these big moments is absolutely incredible, you know. And I suppose one of the special things about the Royal Family is there is interest around the world, and that's kind of unique, um, huge amount of interest. And to have the privilege of um, on some of these engagements, you know, essentially being the eyes to the world is a huge privilege and honour, and you know, a responsibility to get it right. So that's very special. I think in terms of legacy, I think my sort of what I aim to do um, is to create the most um, uh, comprehensive and hopefully um, uh, genuine and honest archive of the British royal family, um, you know, from those formal portraits, from the day-to-day -day engagements to, to, you know, family moments as, as much as I can. And, I, previous um, royal photographers I, I very much look up to, um, I mentioned in the book, um, he's incredible photographers I look to for inspiration. And I hope in some small part, um, I'm sort of continuing a small amount of their work. But it's, you know, I think back in the day, they, they, was, they either shot the portraits um, or we did the day-to-day -day stuff. And I think to kind of be lucky enough to do a bit of both and all of that, that's, that's really special and something I just hope to continue for as long as I can. What an honor and a privilege it is to speak with you today. 
Chris Jackson's newest book, Elizabeth II, A Queen for Our Time is out now and is the perfect addition to your coffee table. This book will go right next to my copy of, you mentioned this earlier, Chris, <laughs> your other book, Modern Monarchy on my coffee table. Thank you so much for being here with us today. No, thank you both of you. And honestly, that it's such a privilege to be on here and I'm grateful to your listeners. So thank you very much. And thank you. We love your work and we love you too. <laughs> That's very kind. <laughs> What an A-plus guest. How how great is he? I know. Oh, my gosh. It was such an honor to speak with him. And uh, I feel like I learned so much hearing uh, what he had to say about his experience over these last two decades. Um, it was really, uh, really incredible to have a nice conversation with him. And in addition to being an A-plus photographer, he was just a really nice guy, like just a really good person. So Thank you, Chris, for, for making our Tuesday and probably my whole week. So we've got another A-list guest coming up for you next week. You'll have to stay tuned to find out who that is. Anything else, my friend, for the good of the order? I don't think so. This has been a really jam-packed episode. There's lots of good stuff coming our way. So um, I'm excited for uh, some other episodes we've got coming up in the coming weeks and uh, hoping our listeners have a really great week. Yeah, we've got some, I mean, I said this last episode, but we have, in addition to Chris, we have, I think, five more um, guests that are, that are, you're just going to love. So stay tuned. And follow us on Instagram at podcast Royal, email us at hello podcast Royal at gmail.com. Follow us, rate us, review us, um, support this lovely community we're building. Thank you so much for being here. Episode 41 is in the books. We'll chat with you next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.